Our uh, guest speaker today, guest preacher, is Kurt Peterson. He is the executive minister for Serve Globally, and I'll let him explain what that all means. It does mean, I know it means that he does a lot of traveling, and he gets to see uh, and meet with God's people all over the world and see what they're doing. So it's a great honor and privilege, I know, for him. Um, but Kirk and, uh, Kurt and I actually were able to get to know each other a little bit better when we were in the Congo together back in January. And when we put two and two together and realized he was going to be the denominational official for, to the conference... We just finished hosting. We're like, hey, you've got to come and speak. So that's what he's going to be doing today. A couple of things about Kurt. Um, he's a great guy, uh, really a lot of fun, and it was really neat to see his love for people and his love for the Lord when we were traveling together. Um, he's got a really cool hat. It looks like kind of the Indiana Jones thing he wore all the time. I kind of was envious of that when we were there. And his passport is the biggest one I've ever seen. It must be 12 inches thick. He's traveled all over the world. And, um, and so it was kind of interesting to see that as well. But we're excited to have him. He's been a covenant minister for 30 years. And he's been in this role for 12 years. Let's welcome Kurt as he comes and speaks today. In different countries around the world, whether it's in Congo or in uh, China or it's in Ecuador, a greeting would be common. And we can share that together today. And that is, I would say, hallelujah. And you would say, amen. Hallelujah. 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 And then the worship would continue. If you're in Congo, like uh, Doug experienced, it would be the beginning of three or four hours of worship together. And there would be choirs and there would be dancing. And Doug was out busting moves on the dance floor. It was a, it was a great scene uh, as we shared in worship. And we have opportunities to uh, uh, enjoy that together. Doug is a, just a great person. Uh, generous, fun, and full of the Spirit, and proclaim the gospel uh, in different worship services. And I thank you for the um, willingness of you to have your pastor come to Congo and to encourage the church there and encourage uh, missionaries, who you, many of whom you support as a congregation. And uh, it's obvious to me that as you go deeper in Christ, you are indeed going further in mission as a congregation, as you send many to live and to share the gospel around the world. And on behalf of those, some of those missionaries who serve in the covenant, I want to thank you because your prayers and your encouragement are uh, a strong support for them as they continue their work. So thank you for uh, your support of the Extrans, the Norans, Marta Klein in Congo, for the Zigobauers in Cameroon, for Chris and Diane Wiebe, for Cheryl Clark, for the Ramoses in France, for Dale Lusk, for the Velascos. Thank you for the way in which you send and the way in which you support. Today I am here to declare and to testify to the power of the gospel at work in the world transforming lives and communities to the glory of God. If you open your Bible to Romans chapter 1, we'll be looking at that text. 
You know, we could summarize the good news in that familiar verse of John 3:16, and that is God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The Apostle Paul was captured by that good news on that surprise moment on the road to Damascus. And he was says he was called and set apart for the gospel of God. He became a servant and slave of Jesus Christ for the purpose of taking the good news to the world. No longer was he persecuting and condemning the followers of Jesus. But he was now the leader of the mission movement of God in this world. And he went to the Gentiles. That was his call. That the good news would go to the ends of the earth and fulfill Jesus' command and and, uh, challenge to his followers. And so in the first chapter of Romans, we read the testimony of Paul's motivation for mission. And we see an insight into his attitude and we understand better the confidence he has in the gospel, the power of God. And Paul says, I'm anxious to come to Rome to preach, to teach, to share a spiritual gift with you. And then he catches himself and says, no, it is so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, by yours and mine as we come together. That's what your hosting of the Midwest Midwest Conference was all about the last couple of days. It is about mutual encouragement of sharing of gifts with one another. And that propels and fuels that ministry that keeps going on. And that's what Paul is saying. I want to I want to come and bring some fuel to the fire of the gospel at work through you in Rome and see a greater harvest that is God's work. And then he says, and these are the three points I'd like to emphasize today. He says, I am debtor. I'm obligated. I am willing and eager. And I'm not ashamed. I'm obligated. I'm eager. And I'm not ashamed. What is Paul talking about here? In verse 14, you see, he says, I am obligated. I am obligated to... The both to Greeks and to non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. The word that's translated obligated or in other translations debtor is is a word that's about handling money. It's about money that's either been received for by borrowing or been entrusted to you uh, by someone else for someone else's purposes. So. You're obligated if you've been given a trust and you are to hand that trust on to someone else. And so Paul says, I've been given a trust of the gospel of God in Jesus Christ. And I am obligated not to hold on to it, not to just reap the benefits of the gospel for my life. But I am obligated and a debtor to God to share this with others and It is a a desire of his life. Imagine kind of a just understanding this. If if there was a a discovery of a vaccination and and a cure for Ebola, what a gift that would have been to this the West Africa and to the world. 
And if we had discovered that, if someone had discovered that, they would have a, a an obligation, a, a trust to share with the world, not to just hold on to it for themselves or their own gain. And that's what Paul, again, is saying here. I am uh, blessed by the people of Congo where we have visited. I've been there 16 times and I gather in these worship services and there is often a thank you for sending the good news of the gospel through missionaries over the years. We've been involved there for 78 years. And the word that is expressed is thank you for sharing the good news. And now we are obligated to share that good news with others. And so that plays out in the in, in the reality of their lives in the most difficult circumstances. We have life very easy. The, the, the most difficult things in our life are not compared to the challenges of people in the poorest country of the world, in the poorest province of that country, in the Ecuador province of Congo. And for the years 96 to 2003, there was a civil war in which many people had to flee into the jungle in order to have a place of safety and out of the flow of violence and war that was uh, engripping the country. And during those years, the entrustment, the obligation overflowed and 200 churches were planted among Villages of Congo. It was amazing to me. I mean, I would excuse myself from planting churches during war. But there was such a deep sense of this entrustment that we have to share with others. And then in the second point that Paul makes. They are eager. They are eager to share that good news. Uh, His attitude about this good news that he'd received was not that he would share it out of coercion, out of guilt, but rather Paul was uh, willing and eager, like something burning in his bones, like the stirring of his heart to action. And it overflowed with joy that he could share that with others. It was that inner compulsion of his life. How many of you... um, how many of you are grandparents? Okay, I'm, I'm a grandparent and I don't know about you, but I have this inner compulsion to share. And I've been waiting long enough now to share. Uh, this is Miriam, my ninth grandchild, who was born uh, March 18th in Chicago area. And then this is Amelia, who was born April 6th. I mean, we just keep multiplying. And and I, I have a whole uh, page full of those on my phone. If, if you if you want after the service, I could share with you. But because it just thrills me to be able to talk about my grandchildren and their lives, my children as well. But, you know, they get to be second place after the grandchildren go. But anyway, I share that just because of the fact that we can have this our own sense of this inner compulsion to share something with somebody else. I got a new job. I got accepted at college. I, you know, it goes on and on. And we kind of have an ease about wanting to share those things. It works its way into the conversation. And Paul says, that's what's that's what's driving me. 
I just want to share this. It's a challenge to us. It's a challenge to me. Am I as willing to share the gospel as I am to tell about good news in my family, in my life? Eager to share. And I'm humbled by the missionaries that I meet. This is a Easter sunrise service in Cameroon where all the missionaries in Africa gathered together. You recognize a few of these people. But I'm humbled by their sense of eagerness, of their willingness, despite challenges, the sacrifice, the dangers even of being in some countries and sharing the good news. They are so have such a sense of this obligation and eagerness to share. And they give testimony of that that brings me to tears. And it is a blessing that we have that people have responded to that call. Eagerness to share. Eagerness to enter into the full dimensions of the gospel. This isn't about just being preachers. This is about agriculture. This is about nutrition. This is about different ways in which people serve in the fullness of the gospel, touching all dimensions of life. People are called to give witness to Christ. And then Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I have confidence in this gospel because it is the very power of God. If the gospel was fragile and weak and empty ideas, he would have reason to be ashamed if they were uncovered or disputed. But this is the very power of God at work in this world that he is confident in is going to be at work in people's lives as he shares now with that Gentile world. And as he shares in Rome and as they at Rome share with others. He says, I'm not ashamed because it's the power of God for salvation. There's actually something that's going to happen to people because of God's power at work. There's actually going to be transformed lives. It's going to happen internally. It's going to happen in our spirit. It's going to happen that changes all of our life and our worldview, our perspective. There is going to be a life-saving work. If the gospel had no effect on our needs in our life, it would be a reason to be ashamed of that good news that we would call good news. But the power of God for salvation is a power that delivers us from the bondage of sin. It delivers us from judgment on sin and restores us to one another, to God and to all creation and puts us in right relationship with God. Paul says, I am not ashamed of this gospel because the power of God is for salvation and it's for everyone. This isn't for a select group of people. This isn't for our club. This is for all of the world. And it is for all who believe, all nations, all tribes, all languages. It's inclusive. That's why it's such a good news. It's for everybody. It's not just for one culture or one nation. It's for all and it's relevant to all. The Jew, the Gentile, the barbarian, the untouchable, the enemy, the neighbor, the friend. It is good news to everyone who believes. And he says, it's the, this is the righteousness of God. This good news of the gospel is powerful because it shows us God in his character, 
who he is and what he does. The full truth of God is seen in the gospel of Jesus Christ as God has loved us, sent his son to die, be raised from the dead and live with power. And we can enjoy that. And this is good news because that character of God is is that he is generous. And the good news of this gospel is, is that it's free. It's not something you earned. It's not something you've been so good to deserve in your life. You've been following all the rules all your life. Therefore, you get the get the ticket into heaven. No, this is a gift that you receive in faith and everything can be different for you. Everything can be different for people around the world. And no matter even the challenges of life, as we see it in many countries in the world, can be lifted. The burdens can be lifted because of the rest that people can find in Jesus and the joy in their life. So I think that's what Paul is saying. And I see that transforming work of the power of the gospel around the world today. This is a picture of brothers and sisters in South Sudan. You know, Sudan separated into North and Sudan and South Sudan and two different countries. But unfortunately, in the last 18 months in South Sudan, the conflict is now not between North and South, but it's internal. It's between people grabbing for power and control and then tribes coming one against the other. And thousands of people have died again. Over 150 people in covenant churches in South Sudan were killed during the last 18 months. Many who came back from refugee camps in Ethiopia over the decades before 2005 now have had to flee again into refugee camps into Kenya and and Ethiopia. But the good news is that in the most difficult circumstances, the Covenant Church of South Sudan, entrusted with the gospel, eager to share it, confident in that gospel, sent me an email on Wednesday and said, despite all the challenges and difficulties over this past year, we planted 29 churches. Is that good news? The last service actually clapped. Ten thousand new believers in this young church, three hundred and ninety congregations added ten thousand people. Now some thirty five thousand believers in the Covenant Church in South Sudan. It overflows with the power of the gospel. Well, I'm, I'm tempted to share a lot of stories, but I have to keep going. And the, the outreach of this community is, is in not only sharing the gospel, preaching the word, but is also in human need. And so education, schools have been started. And in these refugee camps, Covenant World Relief has helped to come alongside and provide resources so that they could respond to the most vulnerable in, their, in, their, uh, in the camp. And that is with some physical needs and some needs for food. And so the leaders of the church there have mobilized the the church to reach out, not just to survive themselves, but to reach out to others because they've got good news to share and to live out in faith. 
And so they're also sponsoring a reconciliation conference this next month. 250 leaders across tribes have been invited to come together to talk about reconciling spirit. And if Christ is not the center of their lives, that can change their whole country. The good news is also spreading, of course, across Congo. As I shared about the multiplication and the growth of that church, it's, it's amazing. And the hospitals, the clinics, the schools, the ways in which uh, development, economic development projects are, are multiplying in the community. This is a, a gathering when, when uh, some of us have arrived because they both want to say thank you, but they want to say we're in this with you in this gospel. And uh, in the schools, children are learning. You recognize Marta, who's providing training in nutrition in the bulletin is a prayer request from her. Her work is is stellar. She's making an impact in communities as they discover the moringa plant, a tree, and the impact that those that that, that tree and and its resources and its leaves can have on people's nutrition and the multiple uses. Uh, we also are involved in Covenant Kids Congo, a new project with World Vision that we invited them to come and help us make a difference together with the church, accompanying the church to make a systemic difference in this impoverished community. And so some 8,000 from churches like yours across the Covenant have sponsored children now in the Gemini area in this project and schools are being built, clean water is being provided, and it is a joy to see as they untap this well, and it's now becoming available in distribution centers around this community. Some 24,000 people have access to clean water now that didn't have it two years ago. Only 11% of the people in Congo have access to clean water. It's part of the way the gospel goes out into this world and the ways in which we can become part of that work in other communities. India is another place where the gospel is just exploding. This is a group of children in the India for Christ Ministries Covenant Church in Bangalore. They've reached out in some 200 villages uh, in multiple states. And in those communities, they provide an after-school program they share a Bible story. They provide a meal. They do some art projects. And they love these children in Jesus' name. It's made a difference. And this is an example of people who first heard the gospel around a water, uh, a well that was provided uh, in the northern state of India. Uh, the Covenant Church, Hindustani Covenant Church in India, has drilled a thousand wells across India. They developed a, a pump, the Mark II pump, that is used now across much of the world. And they offered that free to UNICEF so that people would have access to clean water from wells that could be pumped. And this group had first had contact because of a, of a new well. And then they heard the gospel from the leaders, from, from believers in the Hindustani Covenant Church and now this is a 6 a.m. Sunday morning worship service for baptism. 
so that they could baptize all 120 before the nine o'clock service. And they came and they expressed their faith and declared the good news had touched their lives. These are Muslim background believers in that same church in Pune, where at the nine o'clock service that, that same day, there was this choir in which they sang a song they had written about the fruit of the gospel being so sweet and nourishing in their lives. Their lives have been changed. They have to be careful for not being uh, persecuted by their families, uh, but they wanted to stand forward with a testimony of the gospel had impacted their lives. This is in Central Asia. This is where we work, too, in some of the original places in which the covenant had ministries. And we helped to build a sanctuary so that there was a legal place to preach the gospel. And this was a day in which we dedicated that sanctuary. And there was just overflowing joy that there could be a gathering place without persecution, legal in the, in the country for the gospel to be shared, the scriptures to be taught, and life to be shared in fellowship. Children were receiving Bibles that they were hungry for learning. Things we take for granted are precious to those who have not received it and for whom it is new news, this good news. There's great joy in Taiwan. The gospel is touching many lives in, in Taipei City alone, the covenant church is there. One is over 3,000, one's 1,400, another's 1,200, another 800, another 900, and it goes on, the 40-some churches across Taiwan. And the joy is that God is doing transforming work in people's lives as they're coming to faith, and God is doing miraculous healing as they come for prayer. So every Thursday night... Some a thousand people from one congregation gather for prayer. And that is infecting uh, the, the whole country and reaching into mainland China uh, with the good news of the gospel as well. You know, the stories go on and on, but there is just great joy. Like in this small village worship in South Sudan. They want to sing in praise to God because the power of the gospel makes a difference. God desires to continue to use you as partner in mission in this world. But it begins by you being a partner in mission in your neighborhood. And the challenge and the question is, do you sense an obligation that you've been entrusted with to share with others who have not heard? Do you sense, like Paul, an eagerness and a willingness to let that overflow of good news go to others by your desire to be part of that? How does God need to change your heart? Are you confident in this good news? Not ashamed of it, but rather boldly sharing, not in a way that repulses people. All you do is share your story. 
and you share the story of Jesus. And you say, what do you think of that? And God does a major work in people's lives. How can we be part of God's mission in this world? I'm going to take a risk right now. I have a group of friends down here in a row. But I'd like them to lead the way of everyone who's under 21 years old. Would you come to the front? I have a a word for you. Thank you. You can spread out either side here. There's a lot of you. Wow. No wonder you're sending 65 to Chick. You know, Chick, you're going to hear about clean water. That's going to be a major project, and, and it's going to be part of curriculum that's available to your church, and that's part of some of these very projects that you're going to be part of. But I, I, want, to, I want you to think about it. Who is that guy who came and talked about the power of the gospel? I want you to remember this day. Because Jesus, when he was with his disciples, just before his death, he said this. As the Father sent me, so I send you. It was a challenge and a call to these disciples to let the powerful good news of Jesus Christ make a difference in their life, not just what they receive, but what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. Jesus said, after the resurrection, when he was with his disciples, he said, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you in power. Now, when you have that power of the Holy Spirit in your life, I want you to be my witnesses. Just tell my story. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, your neighborhood, in Judea, the next community, across culture to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He said, all authority is given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations. These are the final words of Jesus that weren't just for those disciples. It was for us. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I've commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always to the end of the age. You are at a time of your life to make a decision now as to how God wants to use you for periods of your life or for your whole life. Between my junior and senior year of high school at a camp, God got a hold of my life and said, I want you to be a pastor. It was because I had seen God change lives of friends who I had invited to youth group and their lives had been changed by good news. And there was this stirring in me, in me and I almost heard this voice at this camp closing service saying, this is what I want you to be and to do. And I have followed that course for the last, can I say, 50 years. 
I would never have turned back on that. I want to challenge you that some of you are going to be called by God to be a part of his mission in this world in another country. Learn French, learn Spanish, learn Arabic, learn Chinese, Mandarin. God's going to use that. That's one of the things you could do now. Go deep into the scriptures. Go deep into your own spiritual life because God's going to use you and prepare you to be a person who serves and is the ambassador of good news around the world. The world is accessible to you as never before for anyone else. Think about it. What does God want to do in your life? It could be for two years. It could be three years. It could be for your career in your life. But every one of you, some are going to be called to be a pastor. Some of you are going to be called to to be teachers. Some of you are going to be called to be uh, lawyers and doctors and business people and farmers and all different dimensions. I don't leave. I don't want to leave any out and there's no higher or lower in that. But we're all called to live out the gospel where we are called, wherever we live. But I do believe that there's a special call that God is putting on some of you to consider being a missionary. And I want you to think about that and I want to pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that your spirit is so powerfully at work that you are present right now with us. And there's a host of witnesses that surround us here at the front praying for every one of these young people that, God, you would get a grip on their lives and that you would strengthen them in their faith, that your word would be alive in them and that they would listen to your spirit and your call on their life. May they have the courage to be faithful to that call and to take it seriously that God can actually use you, use me, for purposes beyond my imagination. And so the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The one at work in you is going to do more than you can ask or imagine. Follow Jesus to wherever he leads. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for coming up.